Well, the benefit of having that group of listeners on Facebook is that I can, it's a very nice community. We've had very few issues that a lot of groups have social mm-hmm. media groups. Mm-hmm. And so there, I feel like I can trust them. And we have ongoing conversations all the time that are sometimes not a hundred percent related to yeah. the show. And I feel like having them kind of helped me there. And I don't always get feedback on a regular basis from my listeners, but I got a lot of feedback over those nine months of being gone. Podcast Junkies, episode 340. Welcome back. I'm your host, Harry Grant. If you are new to the show, this is the one where we invite some of my favorite podcast personalities, get them to kick back their heels and talk about their shows and whatever else is on their mind. If you are new to the show, thank you so much for trying us out, for checking us out for this first time. Hopefully you stick around, you're enjoying this week's guest or maybe a recent guest, and you can share this podcast with a friend that you think might like this style of conversation. It's something that I've been really appreciating more, this long form style of conversations. Ideally, I'd love to have three hour conversations similar to some of the shows that I like, like Joe Rogan and Rick Rubin. But, uh, you know, time does not allow that currently. So I appreciate the time I do get to spend with these guests. In case you missed last week's episode, I spoke to Michelle Glogovac. She talked about her fascinating journey in the world of jet fuel contracts and how she made her way to podcasting and now provides booking services for her clients. It's a really fantastic and inspiring story. I hope you had a chance to check that one out if you haven't done so already. This week, it's round three with one of my favorite supporters of the show and a good friend, Patrick Keller. I love any opportunity I get to connect with Patrick. What he's been doing with his Big Seance podcast is really inspiring. We started right around the same time, 10 years with his show as well. He talks about the ups and downs of his journey and how he's actually now retired from teaching to focus more on personal projects and the podcast itself. As you might imagine, when we get into the topic of the paranormal We cross paths with spirituality and we talk about Patrick's journey. And also, since we're on the same path, just what podcasting has meant for us, the importance of community and how we continue to be inspired and motivated to continue to produce our shows on a regular basis. We have a couple of interesting moments where we talk about the importance of rediscovering memories and honoring the past and overall a very inspiring chat with my friend Patrick. I know we'll get a kick out of it. If you're enjoying this episode or past episodes, please leave me a rating and review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcast junkies. I'd love to read yours out on a future episode. And remember, you can always find full show notes at podcastjunkies.com. We have summaries, timestamps, key takeaways, and quotes from our guest. So don't worry about taking down any notes. Just focus on this conversation. Go for a walk. Sit down in your favorite lazy boy. Or maybe you're making dinner or walking the dog. Okay, before we get into this uninterrupted conversation with Patrick... A few words from the amazing folks that support this show. If you are ready to drive podcast listens at an affordable cost, then Trailergram is the service for you. Trailergram helps you discover and retain new audiences. Advertise your trailer next to relevant content on their premium publisher network, which helps build audience and engagement. Here's how it works. They advertise your podcast trailer next to relevant content on their reputable publisher ad network, consisting of over 10,000 trusted publishers, such as Yahoo, CNN, ESPN, People, and more. Next, the trailer plays. Audiences then listen to your podcast trailer and are prompt 
prompted to opt in on their phones to receive push notifications from you about future episodes, creating a push notification subscriber base. Then, after listening to your podcast trailer and opting in to hear from you, the audience is driven to their built-in podcast player so that they can listen to multiple episodes of your podcast. As push notifications are sent, more episode listens happen, and your podcast now has a thriving subscriber base. Trailergram's automated system uses AI to send out push notifications several times a month, effectively marketing your upcoming episodes and amplifying the number of episode listens. Most importantly, as listeners engage with your episodes, your hosting provider will register listens as mobile downloads coming from a browser. Using their custom analytics dashboard, you'll be able to track trailer plays, ad impressions, and how many people opted in for push notifications. Get started today for as little as $500 by visiting podcastjunkies.com forward slash trailergram and get started today increasing your podcast discoverability. That's podcastjunkies.com forward slash trailergram. If you've been on the fence about getting your podcast started, I have great news for you. My newly updated course, Podcast Blueprint 101, walks you through everything you need to get your podcast off the ground. And best of all, listeners of this show will get 50% off. In this course, I'll walk you through everything you need to get your podcast off the ground. In section one, mindset, we'll talk about getting started, the importance of the right mindset, and how to think about continuous improvement for your show. In section two, we lay the groundwork. We talk about planning your show, positioning it, and how to go about creating a quality production. In the growth section, we focus on where and when to publish your show, how to promote it to the right platforms, and as an added bonus, some specifics about how you can profit from your show as well. I've also included a list of tools and services that have been helpful for me in the growth of my show. So again, the URL is podcastblueprint101.com and use promo code PBHD50 to get 50% off exclusively for listeners of the show. Patrick Keller, we are recording round three on Podcast Junkie. <laughs> Yay! How are I'm you? so excited. I was looking at the last Squadcast recording session and it was 2019 and i was like wow that was a long time ago but then when i think back to our first recording session which was 2014 or 15 probably <laughs> it's just do you cool. remember what we used then we used skype with ecamm call recorder if i'm not mistaken <laughs> which is probably how i did my show then too yeah because i was keen on having video from day one so I need some ideas for the 10-year anniversary <laughs> of the show, which is in <laughs> April. It's creeping up, and I'm like, I can't just let it go by. I'm also trying to see if I can convince Jared Easley to let me speak at Podcast Movement on stage about my 10-year journey. So That would be cool. Yeah. Here, I have a story for you that you can use there. Please do. Please share. And for audience members, and I'm sure we shared it on one of my episodes with you, Yeah, but... I was a hardcore podcast junkies listener back in 2014 time. Before it was and, You cool. know, we started, yeah, we started about the same time. You were a few months ahead of me, yeah. but we were pre-serial in 2014. One of those cool peeps. And I was listening, I think it was probably in the summer because I was teaching and in the summer I'm a night owl and I'm always a night owl now as a retired person. And that's when I really, the house is quiet. I put my earbuds in and I really just jam out and binge through podcasts. Yeah. And I did then too. And I was listening to Harry's show. I remember it just popped up on my phone. It was like in the <laughs> middle of the night and I'm listening. I forget who your guest was. I don't know if you remember, but I'm listening and the interview's going on and Harry goes, oh, hang on. 
I got a delivery. I got to go to my front door. And so you hear him walk away and go down and get the delivery. And Harry's guest gets a phone call, yep. a full on phone call yep. and has a phone conversation. Hey, what's going on? Yeah, I'm doing this interview. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden <laughs> later, Harry comes back. Hey, sorry. Sorry about that. And he's like, oh, it's okay. I had a phone conversation. And okay, I'll just edit that out. And I'm listening to it. And I'm like, nope, definitely did not <laughs> edit that out. So I'm messaging Harry as yeah. like a giant fan going, Harry, yeah. hurry and edit this. <laughs> yeah, back then I was doing, and sometimes I wouldn't get it all done in one shot. And so I would do a, a section and then I'd just come back or something like that. Thankfully, now I've it's not on my plate. My team does it for me. So it's hard for me to mess it up. But I typically, these go out almost as one take now, unless there's something like crazy that happens. But I love telling that. So that story has been told several times on this show because I also <laughs> am keen to remind clients that we work with, students that I coach, and even when I talk about it on the show. That's the beauty of this show, like to keep it real and to remind people that podcasting, although it looks perfect and with some of these crazy tools like Descript and, you know, even easy podcast editing tools like Hindenburg, we can all create really nice, like world-class productions. And you've got the super fancy sound, what is it called? Sound baffle? Baffle? Is that a baffle? Behind you, the soundproofing. The sound bed? <laughs> sound bed. <laughs> oh, you yeah. mean this stuff? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Soundproofing, yeah. I guess, is what I would just call it. Yeah. So I think I'm, gonna, I'm due for a remodel of this office at some point. So I may turn the <laughs> desk so that I'm facing the light because I sort of inherited the space temporarily. And then it's exciting. I think we are going to stay here a little bit longer. So I've got some ideas and I think putting up some panels would be fun. Well, it's amazing with you have that beautiful wood paneling yeah, back there. Yeah. It's amazing. You're not super echoey right now, but it's well, the wood beautiful. warms it up. The wood definitely because oh. it's, you know, you think about other rooms that are just hard surfaces and glass, which is the worst. But I think, you know, overall, it's we're house sitting and this is my partner's dad's old man cave. <laughs> so I'm actually <laughs> staring at it like he's got a couch, got a TV, he's got a little plug in faux stove top stove fireplace which we turn on to because we are in minnesota so it gets a nice vibe here so i mean i could create a podcast studio if i wanted to and see if anyone wanted to drive out to excelsior minnesota <laughs> to have a podcast interview with me it's not at that point i'm not that big where i can fly people in but yeah it's i think i do get some natural sound editing here so it's been so that whole idea of just like being natural and being genuine that's why, what I love about the show. And that obviously was the extreme case because real is one thing, but real, like literally like hearing toilets flush and stuff like that, it's probably a bit too much, but. That was some reality show style <laughs> editing. Yeah. And the reality show style editing is funny because it's always, they edit it for the reactionary moment, for the extreme moment, for the moment that'll get, and then they probably piece together stuff out of order, right? So every time I watch, I don't anymore. But when I did watch some of those shows, some of like, you can just tell it's very manipulated. And that's something, you know, that's sort of like the beauty of these conversations, because as they continue and as they sort of meander, I, I think they just go where they go. And I've been enjoying Rick Rubin's 
Tetragrammaton. I don't know if you've heard it. Rick Rubin, mm-hmm. he's like famous producer. He produced like the Beastie Boys and a whole bunch of bands and stuff like that. So he's like world-class producer and he's been like around since the early days of like hip-hop and he's produced like Neil Diamond and Metallica or Slayer. So he's got a range of artists, Adele he's worked with and he's created a, he wrote a new book recently called The Creative Way or something like that. And he's does like these three hour interviews, you know, kind of Joe Rogan style, but they're just so mellow. Like he just had Ed Norton on and they were just talking and it was just nice to hear. I actually am slowing down the podcast. Normally I just like buzz through them, but I'm doing like 1.2 now. I used to do 1.5 and two, Mm -hmm. but there's something about these conversations that feel like they need to like sit with you for a bit. And then you need to like enjoy them at the pace they were recorded. It's funny because I slow down or speed up my listening, depending on what I'm listening to. Some podcasts are more conducive to speeding up because of the style they do. But if, like you said, if it's something that you're really in the feels or you feel like, sometimes I feel like a podcast, the host is intending for me to slow down and get the juiciness and experience the silences Mm -hmm. and all of that. And I can sometimes feel that. And so I will slow it down because I don't want to just listen and, you know, not get the benefit of whatever I'm supposed to get from that. But I also am a speeded up junkie on a lot of podcasts. (laughs) I think it's to your point, if it's something that you are learning or if it's like a more like a a marketing or business show, or I'm just trying to get the salient points and saying, is there something here that I should be listening to? But if it's just a conversation and if you're in that mood where either you can either have it on the car or, or, but if you're probably better, if you're just sitting on the sofa somewhere and just like sometimes even just close your eyes. I think at one point he had Richard Rudd who wrote a book called the gene keys, which it's like a whole thing based on like human design and the I Ching. And it's a fascinating, fascinating book I read years ago, but he's into like tea. So they had a, like a tea ceremony. So they spent like half hour, 45 minutes. And the way it works is like you drink these seven cups of tea and you can hear them sipping the tea because you know the quality of the mics is good, but it's just listening to two guys drink tea, <laughs> which is That's like funny. amazing and it's really cool. My audience would totally love that because we pour tea for every episode mm. of our show. In quotes, we yeah. pour tea, and so what does that mean when you say you pour tea? So I am really kind of proud of my intro and outro of my show. And from the beginning, I don't know really if I started all of this from the beginning, I'd have to go back and listen. But pretty early on, I wanted to create a space, an imaginary space for my listeners to listen to my show. My show is about the paranormal, but the show is the big seance podcast. So I want to create a, I want you to imagine you're in a seance parlor Mm. from the days of psychics and mediums and Mm -hmm. spiritualism. And not every conversation is really that about that, but it's, you know, around that, but I want people to imagine that the candles are lit and that there's a, it's like a movie scene that you picture in your mind. And sometimes I really do have a candelabra next to me, depending on if I'm doing something on video. And I really try to create that space 
And so we light the candles in the intro. You know, you're walking up to my Victorian home and you can hear the leaves rustling and the crowing in the Ooh. background and the wind yeah. and you the door opens and welcome we're lighting the candles and then at the end you know it's time to blow the candles out oh we pour the tea in the middle there too okay. and then we blow the candles out and then you leave my house and it's the opposite and thanks for coming and the, you're Ooh. back to walking in some creepy woods and i learned my lesson a couple of years ago because i was just sitting here trying to figure out just doing some planning for the show. And I realized that I needed to clean up my space. This space was getting kind of junky and I'm not a super junky person. And I'm like, I need it to, I, I need it to be a good place in here mm-hmm. and clean. So I'm sitting on the other side in a lazy boy that I have on the other side. And I'm just, I said, I'm going to take a picture of the space. I've never really shown my listeners, my space. So in my Facebook group of listeners, and fans, I just shared behind the scenes BTS of the parlor, which yeah. <laughs> you know we call listeners come into the parlor. Yeah. And I posted it in that group and I got so much flack. They were so angry because they were like, oh my God, it's been ruined for me for life. <laughs> and I can never like, as if I'm sitting here in this old Victorian parlor with candles yeah, yeah. and antiques. And, <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. It's that theater of the mind where when done well, and you can paint that picture. And I think that's the beauty sometimes of like when you read a great book, because the whole set is in your head. And everyone who reads a book is going to get a different, even characters that yeah. are mentioned, you're like, you're picturing them, what they look like. And I've read books sometimes that I'm halfway through and then I'll be like in bed and I'm like, I think about something that happened and I'm like, oh wait, that didn't happen in real life. That happened in the book, you know, cause it's, <laughs> you create this vision so much, but I think it's important to, to do that. And especially because as you start to publish, you get into the dozens and hundreds of episodes, people are coming into your space. People are coming into your world and they're getting a taste of what it's like to be with you. And I think as a podcaster, I don't know if you've experienced this as well, you tend to be more comfortable in your own skin later on. Like in the beginning, like I've said it so many times, I had my questions, my six or seven questions, my cheesy speed round and all the stuff you, you, you learn in the beginning. And then I just realized I just like talking to people. And I just like conversations. And I think we're seeing, it's almost, I feel like conversations are making a comeback. I don't know if that's true, mm-hmm. if they've always been there, but I just, you know, when I hear podcasts like that and Joe Rogan has been helpful for like the long form conversations, regardless of what you, know, you think of like some of his content, but just the fact that is coming back and that's being appreciated. It's interesting to think about experimenting with the, having the luxury to do a, a multi-hour podcast must be pretty crazy, but I appreciate it. And I think as the show moves into like its 10th year, I have to just welcome that and just think about more ways to how can I have more conversations with people I enjoy speaking with. I appreciate that. And I also, in my show, have relaxed a lot more, I guess, over the 10 years. I do think there was a benefit of being a teacher when I started, mm-hmm. because a lot of new podcasters, if I'm, you know, every now and then I'll help somebody get out of the gate and I'll help them with some of the ropes and show them and give them some ideas. And they're so worried about hearing their voice and yeah. recording their voice. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't think, 
many teachers have that issue because we hear our voices in our head all the time and it's annoying and we've gotten over it and the kids have gotten over it and you just, it's a constant, you just hear it all the time. Yeah. And so that was good for me off the bat. I was used to hearing my voice. It didn't really bother me too much. However, I am the opposite of you with just releasing a show with very little editing because I am a heavy editor. I still... I always tell my guests, I don't allow myself to sound like a dork and I won't let you sound like a dork either. So I always have that agreement that we will edit any possible stutter or so I am a super heavy editor and I've tried pulling back over the years. And I, as I learn new techniques and learn to do things better, I dig back in and get more, even more deep. And I'm like, Oh God, I'm trying to pull back, but I can't. So I think it's just been present in the moment as well. I notice, and this is, I don't know where I picked up this habit, but I always have my finger on the mute button. So if you ever see that go on, it's me clearing my throat, it's me coughing. And I try to instill that in students and clients as well, you know, just to say, hey, just it makes it things easier (laughs) for the editor if you do that. And obviously with tools like Squadcast, you know, you can get multiple tracks. So each one gets its own track. So it's not a big deal in the edit process. But have you ever thought about trying a light edit that's more relaxed and just kind of having that publisher regular one and then just have like a bonus episode that you put like on maybe like on youtube or something or just like a a place that it's not your regular feed or maybe just a a private episode i think you can do a private episode or something like that but yeah i'd be curious like for your audience to see if the super fans would do it, say, hey, this is one that's really just almost as is and it's happening in the moment and there's a couple of like flubs here and there and a couple of mistakes. But I think sometimes it's a helpful reminder to people in the beginning to understand, <laughs> you know, we're all, this idea of taking imperfect action. I talk about this a lot as well. Like yeah. just move forward. I think the universe loves momentum. So, you know, when we try to make it perfect. We end up like slowing ourselves down. I get that too. I do go live occasionally yeah. and those are up there on YouTube forever. And then I clean it up for an audio episode, but that's a good idea because I have Patreon members for the show, but also like, (laughs) and of course, now that I know how you're going to edit this episode, the audience is going to know that sometimes I am not super eloquent (laughs) and have a lot of likes. And I say like 57, you knows in every episode and a lot of, uh, 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 <laughs> stuttering type things. And so <laughs> if any of my listeners are listening to this show, yeah. they're probably like, who the hell is this person? Well, you can so- share, I'd love for you to share with them because I'm hopefully making this as much of a relaxed environment for you to, I've used this phrase for the past year and a half, just get hosts, kick back their heels, relax. And just kind of the whole point of the show is just the inspiration was inside the actor studio because I was always fascinated by like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, the actor, they just, he looks like a normal, like chill person. Like, that's so cool. And that was always the intention with the show. So for the benefit of new listeners, new viewers who don't know a lot about your show, I'd love to do a little flashback in time. I know 10 years is a long time to cover, but there's a lot has happened with the show. But can you just sort of just tell the story of how you started the show and a couple of like peaks and valleys maybe. And then, you know, we can kind of dig in a little bit there and to present day. Sure. Speed me up if you need to. (laughs) (laughs) I started the show, the big seance podcast after having a couple of years of being a 
paranormal investigator. And before that, actually that was kind of, that came first after being a paranormal investigator for a couple of years, I was having what I've always referred to as a spiritual shift. I grew up in a Southern Baptist kind of environment and grew up gay and had a lot. I've been running away from the church forever, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) From college on. And all of a sudden was inspired by a book and a TV show and a couple other, a podcast, a couple other things kind of came in. And then all of a sudden I became this person who had never really read ever for pleasure and was reading a book a week or more on spiritual or paranormal topics, suddenly lost my fear of death and dying and dogma. All of a sudden I disconnected from a lot of the dogma that I grew up with. And so then the paranormal investigation and I started the blog, which was the big seance just to have a place to, because, you know, my husband partner at the time was not really into that stuff. He was very supportive, but not into it. And then being in a kind of small town environment, conservative area, there weren't a lot of people to have discussions about these things. And so I needed a place to talk about it. Yeah. And so then the couple of years later, the blog became the podcast and I'm fascinated by psychics and mediums. That's really kind of where a lot of that fascination started. So I do have a lot of psychics and mediums on, but also paranormal investigation topics, spiritual topics. I don't get too woo-woo, but we sometimes get woo-woo. And it's just, I think of it as a, an ongoing conversation, like imagining you're in a seance parlor. And sometimes we have an interview that is not so much those topics, but it's around there, right? How did your relationship to things spiritual change over the years? Because I like telling people, like, at this point, I tell people you can't out-woo me (laughs) because I've been down all the rabbit holes. I know you have. (laughs) And I go pretty deep on, like, a bunch of stuff, like lightworkers channeling mediums, like tarot, astrology, like ancient Egyptian civilizations. So, like, yeah, I'm going down all those rabbit holes. But did you feel a shift for you? And this is sort of a multi-part question because I'm thinking about, you mentioned like maybe this fear of death that you have, which led you to look into these things. And have you learned more about like what's quote unquote out there in terms of like or aspects of spirituality that you maybe weren't looking for when you started, but then you sort of opened up as you started to have more and more of these conversations? Sure. I can tell you something that hasn't changed. What hasn't changed is I am as close to 100% confident in knowing that there is life after death and there's something on the other side. And what that looks like and what that is fascinates me. There's whole episodes of just me bugging people about, no, really, what do you think life's like on the other side? And what's going to happen? And what da da da. So that has not changed. Yeah. What has changed in the kind of our physical world here, mediumship, paranormal investigation, a lot of the woo stuff I've gotten more skeptic about. Well, a lot of people peddle things and you have to look into it, right? Especially in there's some scary 
conspiracy theories out there and why that gets wrapped up into the paranormal world. I don't know, but that always kind of concerns me. But then also as a, I would consider myself, you know, it's, there's this paranormal side of things and a spiritual side of things. They don't always meet in the middle, but they're kind of in the same family on the spiritual side. We have to be careful because there's a lot of cult-like things that people get sucked into on the spiritual side. That has always concerned me for my audience, right? So I'm always pre-scanning what I have on my show because I do not want to introduce something that could be a danger to someone. Yeah, some like, um, some like negative so, energy or something like that. Yeah, well, like yeah. this whole conspirituality idea. And What's that? How do you define that? Well, there's a podcast and a book called okay. Conspirituality that I've read and is really awesome. And I wish they would come on my show because I've contacted them like 11 times. I really would like to have them on my show. But, you know, just a lot of, they go down the road of, I'm not thinking of the correct term, but, you know, a lot of anti-vax stuff and a lot of cults and yoga, a lot of the scary yoga stuff, cults and I can't think of any of Yeah, just like way. darker rabbit holes, if you will. So Yeah, and so I'm reading that book going, every time <laughs> I turn the page, I'm like gritting my teeth going, oh my yeah. God, am I going to read about somebody that's been on my show? Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's helpful because the other aspect of that with everything that's happened and people have awakened to post-COVID is this idea of labeling, separating, calling people out, quote unquote, canceling, not saying the right word, not being allowed to say words that we used to say, like all this stuff is coming together. And I think what's important is this idea of discernment and also, you know, figuring out what resonates with you. And a lot of this in spirituality, we talk a lot about take what resonates and discard the rest. So you could read something about something spiritual and be like, I don't believe 90% of this, but that 10% in there, that's really, I could apply that yeah. in my life. So that's really helpful. But it's also this idea of being able to hear someone's opinion on something, disagree with it without being disagreeable and mm -hmm. just learn to like, we're not all going to like the same stuff, agree on the same stuff, vote for the same person, care about the same stuff in life, you know, and I think that's okay, you know, and I think for a long time, it's just like we're looking for places where we can point to people and say, oh, you said that one thing, I hate you now, like, you know, and obviously I mentioned Joe Rogan because he like says one thing and the people like latch onto that. But I'm like, I've heard some amazing conversations on that show, which really have changed my perspective on life. And I'm just like, I give him credit for that. So it's this idea of like, everyone has value. Like I could learn something from anyone, even people that I, on the face of it, I'd probably disagree strongly with. And I think opening ourselves up to be more patient and more open to understanding, like we don't have to like agree on everything everyone says. And I think if we could just move into that space, we could just be more amenable to each other. And I think conversations like this help us open up even, mm -hmm. you know, to the point of maybe having people on the show where it could be a topic that you're not familiar with, that you disagree with, or that you're maybe even against. And just, I think it's a helpful skill to learn how to be able to manage those. Cause sometimes, you know, if you're not ready, some of these conversations can be very triggering. <laughs> and so you I will tell you, Harry, I am getting better at that. Yeah. yeah. However, I struggle. Yeah. I struggle with Sir Rogan and a little bit. And 
I struggle when it comes to bigotry, racism, hate. And so I've spent a long time, and as an educator too, I've spun a lot of wheels trying to introduce people to, well, here's maybe what you don't understand. Let me try to explain it to you. And I can say there have been some minds that I have changed, I feel, or at least changed a little, but most of the time, you know, they don't change. But I do. I have a hard time with that. And I hopefully can grow. At the same time, I kind of don't know if I want to grow. Like, if, <laughs> if of a lot of these racist, bigoted attitudes, I've learned, I guess, I'm trying to learn to just peace out sure. and not even go there. Yeah. But I struggle with that. I think I'm getting better, but there's that side of things too. <laughs> so talk a little bit about your podcast journey because we chatted a week or so ago and you were talking about how you had to put the show on hold. So this is relevant for anyone who's considering oh, podcasting, who yeah. is podcasting, who's been podcasting like you and I have been, you know, closing in on the 10 year mark. It's a grind. And if you do the math on my episodes, I'm at 300 and 30-ish. So over 10 years, you can tell that I've, I haven't been consistent with a weekly <laughs> podcast. So there's that. But I'm curious what that journey has been like for you. You were consistent for a while and talk a little bit about your mindset, You know what you're going through internally in terms of making those decisions. So for the biggest part of the life of my podcast, it's been an every other week show. When I first started for, I don't know, several months, I was a weekly show and trying to do that and teaching at the same time and being a paranormal investigator nerd, yeah. <laughs> you know, behind the scenes, that was a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. And so most of the time it's been an every other week thing. And podcasting is a passion of mine and I love following it most for a while. Most of the podcasts I listened to were podcasts about podcasting, <laughs> which, you know, makes people outside of this space giggle. Yeah. But no, it's hard to be a full-time public school teacher, especially COVID on was really rough in the education space. And I think in some areas of the country, it was rougher. And, you know, we were thrown into the wolves for a while and masking and having 700 kids in a building and the effects of on our kids of the the political environment mm -hmm. and the divide and just the things got off the chain a little bit and mental health was for a lot of teachers and i mean a lot of teachers have been leaving the field and deciding that you know mental health is a big concern so the last school year i discovered that i had the ability to purchase some years. I know not everybody can do this, but I was encouraged from the very beginning of my teacher career to start a 403B, which at least in my state is like a 401k for like public workers, state workers, things like that. And so I had been doing that. And my first, well, I guess I'll cut it short. I bought several years using that to get to retirement. So it is a little odd that a I'm going on 46, but a 45-year-old retired person. It's a little weird. However, there's a lot of things I miss about education. There's a lot of things I miss about my kids. 
However, when you get out of it, it's been such an adjustment. Like I've had to purge some things. I've realized how toxic my environment was a mm. lot for years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And when you all of a sudden get on the other side of that and some space goes by, oh my gosh. So it's been a really cool change, but it was an adjustment. Anyway, I'll backtrack a little bit because in planning my retirement, just planning my retirement in the last school year, planning for your retirement stresses <laughs> stresses <laughs> you out almost as much as, you know, a full-time job. So I told my audience and it was hard and I was kind of burned out too. In a lot of ways, I put out a special episode and I said, I don't know what this is. It's at least a pause. It might be a hiatus. I'm not sure, but stay tuned. Right. And so for like nine months, I was on a hiatus while I figured it out. And then I got retired, purged everything, got off some mental health medication to try to figure out now that I don't have that stress, mm. what's life like without that. And mm. I'm still trying to figure out if I'm liking that without it or if I need to go back. But after a couple of months, I was like, okay, I'm ready to get this podcast back going again. And I came back and was weekly, just like the first time I was weekly for a little bit. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I kind of <laughs> like that every other week thing. But I did find, and to all the podcasters out there who are talking about downloads, and it's funny, so many things changed in those nine months that I was gone. It's like I picked the worst time to be on hiatus <laughs> because all the AI discussions oh, and yeah. all like so, and this Apple podcast change thing, and my downloads were hit. Like they were hit. You know, everybody always says, don't ever just like stop because you know, your audience will change a little bit and you're like, well, part, I did part it. of it is the way apps work. I think sometimes see what they're doing and this is right. the Apple podcast related, but if you don't listen to downloaded episodes over at some point, I think the, some of these apps, and it's, I mean, really it's just Apple and Spotify, but I think Apple, they may unsubscribe you to the show. Or, right. Yeah. So they're trying to make sure that so people I don't know how to explain yeah. it, but yeah. And it's hard to know exactly why, because also not just from my hiatus, but you know, also everybody in general is talking about lower downloads yeah. now. And so, I mean, I've learned coming from a stats junkie too <laughs> in the early days where mm -hmm. I would refresh every mm -hmm. hour and have a fascination with that. I'll go months without even looking. Yeah. So, I mean, I try to just, ignore all of that stuff now and just do what I do and whatever is going to happen is going to happen. How would you describe your relationship to your podcast? Because it's interesting. Like if I just stopped, I mean, naturally, like it's what we do. We have an agency, we produce shows, we do it for clients. I have a second show and of all things, vertical farming. So I'm just wondering if there was like a podcast switch and I turned it off, there'd be a big hole in my life. Like I probably would, I mean, you know, obviously you get that question all the time. What would you do if money was not an object? I'd probably be DJing. I think to be quite honest, that was my first passion. And still yeah. is like house music and stuff. So I think about those things, but like all that to come around and kind of rephrase the question, like what's the relationship to this podcast? It's 10 years, right? So it's a big yeah. part of your life. And, you know, you did stop it for a while, but you know, do you think about that? Like, you know, your audience and everything you've built up over the years? Well, the benefit of having that group 
of listeners, yeah. you know, on Facebook is that I can, you know, there it's a very nice community. We've had very few issues that a lot of groups have social mm-hmm. media groups. Mm-hmm. And so there, I feel like I can trust them. And we have ongoing conversations all the time that are sometimes not a hundred percent related to yeah. the show. And I feel like having them kind of helped me there. And I don't always get feedback on a regular basis from my listeners, but I got a lot of feedback over those nine months of being gone. Mm. What did you do to keep the group engaged? Because obviously if it's around the podcast and you've got the Patreon group and people are paying you, that's obviously coming out of their account. That every went month. on pause. Okay. It that did. went on pause and there was an honest discussion with the folks there too. And I actually got a lot of argument for that. A lot of people didn't want to be on pause. They were like, don't pause me. This is what I, you know, and I'm like, what? That's weird. But yeah, I paused everybody. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of discussion that happens in that group, even without me. Yeah. And so I just chime in on everybody else's stuff. But one thing that I did miss, and this is weird even like probably just as much as the discussions and, you know, the interviews and things was the behind the scenes editing and the Mm. producing of something. I really learned that I've always thought it was my jam, but I really missed that. And so that's why I kind of ended up jumping into this being a contract editor Mm. space. I've been doing some editing for some other people And so, I mean, I wasn't doing that during the nine months, but I missed that too. Yeah. I'm kind of jumping all over the place. (laughs) That's fine. I mean, I think that's where your mind goes when you think about it. What I was going to ask. Edit this out, Harry. Edit this out. No, it's not going to get edited. That's the beauty of it. I think what's interesting, I've been thinking about this and this is related to age as well, because I'm 53. Am I 53? Yeah. I, you know, at some point you start losing track and you're like, you're that what age. year is it? But I'm thankful that I'm probably in a, not the close to being in the best shape of my life because there's a, some old school weights here and I've been like working out three days a week and just taking care of myself and being conscious of staying in shape. But you know, you always think about the future. And I would come back to this idea of like all this digital stuff that we're creating, all these podcast episodes. You may be the best person to ask this. And we were talking about what happens when we pass on. And <laughs> do you think about like all your stuff? Who's like, do you bequeath it? Do you just, it just goes <laughs> off? I think about these phantom like Facebook pages and profiles of people that have passed on and who monitors that? Do they go? Sometimes my mind wanders and I'm just like, what happens? Do people just read? see people's like social accounts and or just do they visit them is it just like a graveyard that's do you ever think about that stuff (laughs) well especially in the last couple of years that everybody and this drives me crazy because it makes me want to stab my eyes out but all these content creators having having to or feeling like they have to also have a tiktok and have an instagram and go live on youtube and and i think some of us just sorry i'm not going to I mean, I try a little bit, but I'm not going to be that content creator, you know, no matter how hard you tell me. But you think about all of those accounts from people and with AI, also AI grabbing what actor just had their voice grabbed by some 
yeah, yeah. company the, the and deep fake stuff is out of control. Yeah. It's crazy. Where they use like a podcaster. That's an AI, you know, heaven because you can take anybody's podcast and learn their voice from thousands of hours of yeah, yeah. episodes. And so that kind of worries me, but I have had the conversation with my husband and I've told him, unless you're poor at that moment, <laughs> You need to, you know, there's the account that you can choose at least through Libsyn that where they'll just store your stuff. Yes. You're not adding anything to it, but it's just there. And I'm like, <laughs> I want my shows to stay there. I would, you yeah, know, I, at I, least I, until people forget about me. Yeah. <laughs> there's that phrase that people say, or someone's this some famous saying that says, there's two deaths that when you actually die. And then the last time someone mentions your name. Dude, do you know how many times I think about that? <laughs> I've had grave adoptions. That's one of the cool things I did over the years of Grave blogging, adoptions? What's that? Where I would go, and I did it for two or three years in a row. In the fall, I went to various... My favorite cemetery... I mean, I love the big, huge garden cemeteries. You know, the enormous ones with... And, you know, they're just beautiful. We have one in St. Louis here. But then also just the forgotten cemeteries. Mm. You know, you drive by and ugh, you see a forgotten cemetery that's like hidden. Mm. And so I devoted myself to like two or three years in a row finding like two grave sites at each cemetery that looked forgotten. Like I obviously didn't pick a newer grave that someone might be taking care of or if I see a grave that already has flowers on it or something like that, obviously they've got someone who is remembering them and whatever, but I think pick an older gravestone and I did it just by kind of intuitiveness and just kind of went there. Didn't look at the name, anything. And the first year was really special. It, it, I ended up picking in two separate separate cemeteries. I ended up picking a little boy who had died in like Mm. the, early 1800s i think mid 1800s and a little girl in another cemetery slightly different time periods they weren't kind of in the same time period but they both died really young and obviously like forgotten right and so i did a lot of genealogy and would go weekly i went weekly and straight up had conversations with them and was talking to them about what i was learning about them and their family and i podcasted about it and so i would tell them i'm like i don't know if this matters to you if it matters or if you care that i'm kind of bringing your life back up and discussing and learning about you but I hope this helps and I want people to remember you. And so that cover that is wow. always played like whenever I do a, an episode about some individual who played a role in spiritualism or whatever, I sometimes wonder, I'm like, do they know and do they appreciate us kind of pulling their name back up? And is it something that affects them on the other side do they feel when people a hundred years later they didn't know not connected (laughs) to them i love that and what i'm also a fan of time travel i'm just like obsessed with time travel and this idea of like uh, multi-dimensional realities and everything happening at the same time have you ever seen interstellar oh yeah like that tesseract moment or like at the end when he's in in all the the places at once and it's all it's happening at the same time like i firmly believe i firmly believe like that's all happening so it's time is not linear because we think about it has to happen in this way so i think about 
that stuff I really feel has a resonance. And when you were saying that, I'm like, oh yeah, that for sure is putting something out into the ethers. That's like a positive thing because, you know, that somewhere that energy signature of that person is happy that you do that. I think that's amazing. And so do you go specifically to older cemeteries or is just your local one and you just browse and look for like older tombstones? Or Typically. Neglected? And yeah. I haven't done it for yeah. several years, yeah. right? But in the first, I mean, the three years that I did it, yeah, I typically gravitate toward a smaller, well, not necessarily smaller because there are a lot of huge old cemeteries, but I try to find the oldest part of a cemetery, Yeah. right? And, you know, sometimes you'll find a grave that is knocked over or the headstone is missing. One of the graves that I look after was one of those where the headstone was completely missing. I had no clue who it was. But I went there weekly. I usually brought something every uh, week. Like I would go to the grocery store and get, you know, cheap flowers. Yeah. Or like I would go get a little pumpkin or yeah. something and I would drop something off at each grave just to, you know, as also as people walk by, they might see that and be like, oh, okay, somebody is thinking about that person or whatever. Sure, sure. But yeah, I always try to go to the ones that are obviously not tended to. If I was a cooler person and maybe, you know, better at like fixing graves or yeah, there are people out there that go and repair graves mm. and or, you know, raise money to recreate a headstone that has been destroyed or damaged or whatever. I'm not that cool. Like I didn't go and like fix things, but at least I was there. I brought gifts and I chatted and tried to bring that. their life story back a little bit. That sounds like something you could probably encourage people to do on the regular. And of course, as a podcast, you're like, yeah. oh, this could be a podcast, but it could be a user generated content. So like people could do it. They could tell you, they could submit their stories and you could have like, Tomb stories. Oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> or yeah. just we could call it something different, but like maybe we will bubble it up. So anyone's listening, you know, either Patrick's audience or mine, if you need a new podcast idea, and but it could be something where everyone does it in their own neighborhoods, yeah. and then they'll just submit. You know, I found this person, and this is the latest, and it could be like resurrected memories or something like that. The <laughs> of course, now I'm getting into like the marketing mode here, but I'm thinking about this. <laughs> this is, it is a beautiful idea. Because when you think about the families, it could have been the child that died and then the parents passed away and then there was no one else in the family and, and then that's it. There's no more yeah. memories of that person. One of the, I purchased some old, this is another nerdy, super nerdy hobby <laughs> collection of mine. I started collecting old yearbooks from my high school. Oh, wow. A small town outside of Kansas City, Missouri, that has a big history. You know, at one time it was one of the largest cities in Missouri before Kansas city was a thing. And it's a river town and it's a, also a civil war battle mm, town. Lots of energy and, there. Yeah. So like it was one of the first cities probably, you know, in the Midwest to have what we would call a, you know, more classic high school, right? You go from the one room schoolhouses and stuff. And then there's one building where you have more of what we know as high school. And in the early 1900s, 
they even started having yearbooks. Like I couldn't believe that they had yearbooks in like 1910, wow. 1920, and that they were still around. And I purchased five or six yearbooks from the 20s, early 20s to late 20s, and discovered that they were owned by a teacher from that high school, the same teacher. And also discovered that teacher taught from, which when she was a teenager, she taught in a one-room schoolhouse situation, and she taught all the way through the 60s. Whoa. So like, I taught 21 years and feel like I'm ragged (laughs) and barely survived and just, it was crazy. And you think about all the changes in education from one room schoolhouse to the sixties, right? So anyway, I did a lot of genealogy on her and blogged about that and felt a connection as a teacher Mm, and as someone who went to that high school. Right. Different building at that point. Same. Right. And so there were so many connections and I even took that research and displayed it and shared it with my students of one year. And we talked about her and I showed her pictures and showed her, I found an older picture and a younger picture and my kids were kind of fascinated and we talked about it a little bit and I'm sure it seemed weird to them, but they were learning about my passions as well. Yeah. And there were a number of weeks where I felt like I felt her in my home. Mm. And also we had a few moments at school and the kids talked about it for years. And that was 10 years ago. But even my recent kids will talk about the ghost of Mrs. Owen. (laughs) And (laughs) because we had a few moments where it was like, and the kids are like, do you think that's Miss Owen? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. She must be checking to see what yeah. you know we're up to or appreciating that we're talking yeah, about her or curious about what school is like in tw- the 2020s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you sharing that because it sort of makes me feel better about this idea of like being lost forever when no one thinks about you anymore. But like these little things hopefully will encourage the listener and the viewer to maybe see where in their lives they could do that. And whether it's looking back at old yearbooks or looking back at photo albums, you know, and just putting a positive energy in that moment and just sending that person just like love or something like that, just something as simple as that. I think there's something to be said. And I think that's a good thing. I know what I left something out because this is the part that I thought about when you, before I told that story is I went back and tried to find as many people as I could find in the town that I grew up in that would have memories oh, of yeah. having her as a teacher yeah. in the sixties. And believe it or not, there weren't a lot of people that I could find that even remember her. I know my grandma and grandpa were alive and would went to that school. So did yeah. my parents after that point. My grandpa had died, so I couldn't really ask him. My grandma didn't remember. Okay. But there were, I knew where she lived. I found her house. I have pictures of her house that's still there, a little gingerbread looking house. She lived there at a time when teachers, especially women teachers, were not allowed to be out of the house at a certain Mm -hmm. time or have, you know, gentlemen callers. And, you know, there were so many dumb rules about women teachers and But anyway, I did find a couple of people. Some person said, oh, yeah, 
I used to have, when I was a kid, I had a newspaper route and she was always on my newspaper route. And I remember I would see her sometimes at the door and she was an older woman at that time, but he remembered her. And then someone else remembered her as a teacher that I talked to and said she was just very quiet. She was very, and that would have been when she was older. She didn't like stand out too much. But she had a pen pal club that apparently the kids loved. They always had a, they loved having their pen pal club. And so she did that, you know, above and beyond teaching. So that was interesting to discover that there weren't a lot of people that remembered her. And it's not like this was ancient history. You know, it was just, there are people alive that knew her. Yeah. Yeah. And already there weren't a lot of people that, remembered her and that made me kind of sad yeah it goes by quick when you think about like even just looking back at 100 years like how just memories disappear so it's been an interesting thing to think about as you were telling that story and i think everyone's going to appreciate and just take more solace in knowing that we should treasure the memories we have because you know sometimes as we get older we're the only ones holding on to them and we're the keepers of that lineage you know we talk about the ancient native americans talk about seven generations they think about the impact of stuff seven years seven generations forward and back but also a lot of in the past everything was oral history orally transmitted and you would tell the stories and tell the stories and tell the stories and i think we've lost that but thankfully through podcasting and archiving and i think we'll have a lot of that available so i'm really appreciate you coming on and being open to just talk about whatever's coming up for us in this moment because i think i was it's weird how it happens sometimes because i'm just like i come across your name or your profile on facebook and i was just in that moment i'm like i think we're just due for a catch-up and so I want to thank you for coming on and sharing an hour again with me. And I enjoyed this format because, like I said, if this was a podcast conference, we'd have a couple of minutes in like a hallway and be like, hey, oh, we've got to catch up and like maybe yeah. talk. But there's nothing like slowing down here and, and introducing new people to you as well, because there may be people who haven't heard the first couple of episodes. So I'm always grateful. And I want to thank you just publicly again for being a super supporter of the show early on when it was like, you're wondering if anyone's listening. And thank you for being Well, I appreciate you because I was your first guest who was on as a listener. Yeah. I was on your show because of my show or anything I had done. I was on your show as a listener, which was a really cool opportunity back then. Yeah. So for folks who want to connect with you and learn more about Big Seance and what else is going on in your world, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Bigseance.com is my website and something happens, you want to send me an email, that's on there too, but Patrick at Bigseance.com. So that's it. I'm also on, dude, since retirement, I have been figuring out this Instagram (laughs) stuff. I'm a true Gen X who is getting into Instagram now that everybody, the cool yeah. kids are leaving Instagram <laughs> and going to TikTok. Yeah. I finally found Instagram. So Big Seance is on Instagram and on Facebook as okay. well. We'll make sure all those links are in the show notes as well. Thanks again for your time. I really appreciate it, my friend. You rock. Thank you. <laughs> Always appreciative of my guest's time. I never take that for granted. I know an hour is valuable time and I'm so grateful they were able to come on and share their journey with you. As a reminder, if you are ready to get your podcast off the ground and don't know where to start, sign up for Podcast Blueprint 101 and use promo code PBHD50 for half off the price. 
For a complete picture of everything that's happening in the world of podcasting and all the companies making moves, visit thepodosphere.com and create your own pod stack today. Podcast production and marketing provided by Fullcast. Visit fullcast.co and click the play button to learn the five pillars of a successful podcast that every business owner needs to know prior to launching. As a reminder, if you enjoyed this show or past episodes, you can show me some love by leaving a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcast junkies, and I'll be sure to read those out on a future episode. Intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil. Visit cedarsoil.com for his full catalog. Tune in next week for a conversation with yet another fascinating podcaster as we dig deep, learn about their show and what makes them tick. Thanks for all you do to support this show across all our socials. I truly appreciate it. Talk to you next week.